Congress. Yeah, actually, I do need that today. <laughs> Thank you, Dick. <laughs> um, if you're visiting with us, we have been looking through um, the whole life of Peter, and uh, we've also looked at moved from after seeing the life of Peter through first sec for the four Gospels and Acts, we've jumped over to First Peter and then Second Peter. We're now halfway through Second Peter. We're getting close to the end. And um, I, I, I got to tell you, even as we enter this passage this morning, Peter just gets intense. I, I don't know other word I can use to describe him. Let me, let me start with a story, though. It goes way back <laughs> when I was young. I, I was in my second year college. And I was studying at a Bible school, and uh, in that Bible school, we had, uh, we had been looking at, at books of the Bible, and we looked at ministry, and we looked at theology, and then that second year, an event took place that kind of shifted everything just a little bit. It was, uh, it was an event called uh, the, uh, the People's Temple in Guyana, which is, Guyana is, if you look at South America, just on the... On the, on the round corner there, just a little, wee little insignificant country, it would seem. Very, very small, very, very isolated. Um, and, uh, and what happened was there was a mass suicide. In fact, historians will tell us that until 9-11, there wasn't anything like this event. Now, let me back up a little bit. Indiana, 1950s, an individual named Jim Jones decided he was going to start his own church. He had grown up in a number of different churches, but he was drawn to the Pentecostal church. And in the 1950s, the Pentecostal church wasn't always appreciated for its ministry. It was considered uh, a ministry to maybe down and outers or those who were poor. And, and Jim Jones saw that as ideal for what he had envisioned. Because he wasn't really a great biblical teacher, but he was socialist in his thinking and his actions. He wanted a ha to have a church that was integrated. And what he meant by that, he'd use the phrase, a rainbow church. So, so he would literally, if you came into your church, he would find a seat for you. And if you were black, you'd be sitting in one seat, and then you're white, another seat. And if, if you're Chinese, another seat. And, then, and, then, and if, if you ever looked into this service, you would see all of these various races and cultures mixed together. And it worked. And it was positive. It was, it was high-energy worship and this dynamic preacher. He, he was not a charismatic in terms of miracles and signs and wonders. He was charismatic in terms of his personality and, and, and his aggressiveness and all of that. And, and, and his, his care for people started to draw them into the church. You'd hear many talk about testimonies about how no one else had accepted them and no one else had loved them but Jim Jones had. And, and they literally would call him Father. He started various ministries, and, and then it, 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 the church started to grow, and they thought in Indiana, well, it's just too small a place. And so they moved in the, in the 70s, their church over to California, where it exploded even more, over 1,000 people. And the ministries this church had were rather fascinating. They, they, they would have a daycare. Um, they would have... Uh, 
uh, medical clinics or in your, your church, you, you needed help with medicine, they would have free clinic for you. They, they would have a, a, um, a drug rehab center that if you had troubles with drugs, you could go and they would help you work through your drug addiction. They, 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 if they had a senior's home for those seniors who couldn't take care of themselves anymore. They had, they had a place that if you were homeless, they would come and find you a home and then they'd help you find a job. And, and, and he started all of these social things happening and, and it just drew more and more and more people into his church but by the 70s people were starting to look at this church in a strange way uh, there were financial irregularities and there were other things going on and the IRA and other organizations, government organizations were starting to look at this guy and starting to say what's going on now he predicted this he had, he had said, he had said that they were, they're going to put us Christians in concentration camps from the pulpit. He'd say that kind of thing. And, and so he had strategized a plan. He bought land way down in Ghana, which is, Ghana is an interesting country. It's got desert, it's got, it's got jungle, it's got everything. They bought a, s- a section of jungle and they, they, they used their money to bulldoze it down, areas down and, and, and build housing for thousands and, 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 and gardens and all that kind of stuff. And, and every couple months, Jim would go down and, and check out what was going on and, and organize what was going on. But when he found out the IRA, IRS was looking at him. He packed up the church, the whole church, a thousand people, and moved them down to Ghana. Well, it was one thing to have this dream. It was another thing to live reality. And, and the, the crops that they were growing weren't really enough. And, and there was malnutrition. And the kids were struggling with having enough food and all kinds of things. And, and rumors started to, to, to come out of this place that, that Jim Jones had changed when he would got there. He, he was now a dictator. And he was, he was now incredibly paranoid. And, 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 and he, he, had, he had organized many of his men to become God. Guards, a red guard that would protect and them, the people, but also not let the people leave. A, governor, uh, a senator from the states heard about this. And in 1978, he decided he was going to go visit with a camera crew. They flew into the airstrip and, 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 and started investigating. And initially, it looked really good because Jim Jones had set the stage. And, 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 and then as, as, uh, as things started to unwind, people would come up to the center and say, you got to get me out. He won't let us leave. He won't let us leave. And, and, and the center had gathered some people to come. And, and, and they went out to the airstrip, and they had ordered another military plane to come in to take, because their plane wasn't big enough to take all of the people that wanted to leave. And, and Jim Jones's people reacted, and there was firing, and the senator was killed. And Jim Jones did something that the world never expected. He had this thing called the White Knight Rehearsal. They had practiced it repeated time and time again when all of them would come together and they would take Kool-Aid in little little cups and they'd pass it to everyone and all at the same time they would drink this Kool-Aid. And Jim would stand there and say, it's poison, there's cyanide in here, it's poison, if you drink it you're going to die, but let's all go out together. And again and again they'd drink and it was just Kool-Aid. This time it wasn't. There was cyanide. That day, that day they drank. And 900, some people think 913 people, men, women, and children died. 
people couldn't believe it. What, what kind of control did this man have over? What, what kind of person would do this kind of thing? It's interesting as, as this impacted us because as you, as you start to uh, think about it, the question is, how many of Jim Joneses are around even today? If you've uh, been reading uh, on this or the Bible ahead, or if you've been listening to Greg this morning read, Peter does a transition. Last week when we were looking at chapter 1, he was talking about prophets. He was talking about how God called prophets aside and anointed them, inspired them to read the Scriptures, write, write the Scriptures. And these men didn't do it out of their own imagination, but anointed by the Holy Spirit, they took pen in hand and wrote the scriptures that you and I read today. As we get to chapter 2, Peter looks at us and says, but there's an opposite. We're going to look at false teachers. We're going to look at people who are false prophets because they're coming. Now, let me just make a couple comments before we get deep into it. <laughs> this, as I said, is an incredibly intense chapter. It's like, we could literally go on for weeks, and if you got a Bible scholar, you'd probably go on for a month or six, six months. There's so many levels to this chapter that it's really hard to understand at all. For instance, if you take Second, uh, second Peter's chapter 2, and compare it to Jude, which is a book just down the, a few pages away, you will find this fascinating parallel. It's like you read Peter and then you read Jude, and it's almost like the same passage. And, and, and when you start to read it, scholars have tried to figure out, so what's going on here? What, and, and many believe that what you, we're reading in chapter 2 this morning is prophetic. Otherwise, Peter is saying, this is coming. And Jude writes, it has come. So it's a fulfillment. There's another layer that's fascinating because you will find various events in both Second Peter chapter 2 and Jude. It's like, where did that come from? That's not in the Bible. Stories of Lot or, 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 or other things. And, and, and what both of those authors are doing are using resources or illustrations from outside of Scripture to il illustrate what's going on. One of them is, is a book called Enoch, Book of Enoch, which, which is not, a, not Scripture, but it's, it's kind of like we use uh, Shakespeare when we, we talk, and, and, and we'll use a, a phrase or, or uh, just different writers, and it, it, it's like they bring it in to illustrate what's going on, and everybody in that culture would know those illustrations and it, those stories. But if you're reading it for the first time, it may throw you a little bit. So there's that whole intensity. But there's this whole intensity as Peter's looking over his people and thinking about his people because Peter knows what's coming. Two things are coming. First of all, it's a persecution to, of the church that's been unlike any before. Nero will start a persecution against the church that will cause thousands of Christians to die at incredible, excruciating, painful ways like the Colosseum. And secondly, there will be this infiltration of false teachers into the church. And Peter is very aware of that and is writing to warn his people. Listen to the words that he says. 
He says, for there were also false prophets among the people. So he's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about there's good prophets who wrote the scriptures, but there were also false teachers. And, and one of them you heard mentioned this morning is a guy named Balaam. We'll talk about him next week. But, but these were around trying to destroy or discourage the people of God and distort the word of God. He says, but just as there was false prophets there, there will be false teachers here among you. L listen to the words. They will sec secretly introduce destructive heresies. Now, so some of your, some of your, your translations will, uh, will use a different uh, phrase uh, when, they're, when they're describing this. They will, they will say, uh, da uh, damnable heresies. Otherwise, and, and he's meaning that literally, heresy is so bad that it will cause people to be damned or thrown into hell eventually. He's saying, this is going to come into the church by these false teachers. They're going to come and they're going to be dressed nice and they're going to be smart and they're going to be articulate and they're going to be charismatic. They're going to be kind of that Jim Jones thing. But carrying with them secretly are lies and deceitful things. And interestingly, Peter says, and many will follow these shameful ways and bring the ways of truth of, or the church into dispute, uh, disrepute. So he's making this broad prophetic statement. In the future, in the church, there are going to come false teachers. There are going to come false teachings. And it, 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 will, it will draw the people of God away. And those who are young, and we'll get into this, those who, those who are not trained and those who are not prepared can get drawn into this and be taken away and destroyed. I was preparing and I was praying about this and, and I, I thought I need to pause for a minute. I, I need to talk about our reality and, and what's happening even today in our world because I believe just like Peter, there are going to be troubles in the church. Um, now, let me do some academic stuff, and you can fall asleep, and then I'll wake you up again. And, but but if, if you know history, and if you, you study history at all, you'll find that there's kind of two movements that have been going on. There's one called modernity, and, or modernism, and, and modernity is, 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 is a focus that, that rose after the Middle Ages, and, and basically you know it as science. And, and it, it's about reasoning and a logic and, and, and all of those kind of things. It, it, it's the, it was the movement of medicine. It was the movement of science. It was, it was, it was the, the movement of logical thinking that started to happen in our culture that has moved us to this, this time and this place. And modernity has reigned for a long time. For instance, you, you will be discussing with a person and they'll say, well, what you're saying isn't quite logical. Or, 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 or you'll, you'll uh, be talking about medical things and someone says, well, where's, what's the science behind that? Those are all modern kind of thinking. 
And, and for the longest time, especially in the West, we all did it. We were all taught to do it. And, 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 and even in our schools, there's various stages. For instance, you do these science experiments, and, and they'd have it all laid out for questions and steps to say, well, this is what you believe. Now do the test. Does the test validate it? And, and what are your conclusions? And what did you learn? And so there's this logical thinking that we have been taught for years. In the last 20 years, a second movement has moved in. It's called postmodernism. Now, stepping back, some people would add to modernism things like the emphasis of we, the community, as a people. So you don't talk about just yourself. You talk about us and how this decision or this vote or anything like that will affect us. You'll often hear in our culture talking about capitalism. But the shift has happened into postmodernism. It, 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 it focuses highly on ideology. Now, ideology is different than reasoning or science. Ide ideology is this is my opinion, this is my idea, this is my belief, this is what I think. And, and truth, the right and wrong that you and I have been brought up, has been shifted. It's becoming relatives. Has anyone ever said to you, well, that may be true for you, but that's not true for me. And, and you see a shift in how the thinking takes place. If you've been aware of our cultural dynamics, suddenly we've moved from we to I. Well, it's about me. It's about what I think. It's about what I believe. You'll also notice in our culture, and especially in Canada, a move towards socialism. That, that, that it, 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 there's a shift uh, happening about you need to take care of me. You need to meet my needs. And, and, and again, it's about I. And, and, and even to the point, you start hearing about what's called transhumanism, if you've been listening to news at all. And some of you say, I don't even know what that means. Transhumanism is, is, is this idea that they can put microchips and everything in your brain and, and then connect you and, and, and advance you and make you better than God made you. It's an arrogant thing of, of saying, uh, we can make you even better than God made you. I, th I think that's actually kind of funny because I just want them to get the internet to work properly. And, and, and yet you, you see the, this, this, this tension starting to rise in our culture. Um, I could give all kinds of illustrations, but let me, let me move on. What's been happening in the last especially 10 years is this idea of postmodernism has moved. Now, when I was in Bible school, out of the 60s came a movement that studied world religions and said, so this is what Mormonism or uh, 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 Islam believes, and this is what Buddhism believes, and this is what Confucius, and, and, and let's contrast it with, with Christianity, and how are we different, and which is right, and we, we would use the resurrection and all of those things to talk about world religions. Um, then the shift happened, and I think it related partly to the 60s, but, uh, but events like Jim Jones even moved it faster to about cults. What's a cult? How's that different? Well, a cult starts in the church and then moves out of the church. For instance, you may have had people knocking your door called Jehovah Witnesses. Well, where did they start? Well, they started in the Seventh-day Adventist church. 
And, and, and they moved into heresy and they moved into false teaching, one of them being rejecting the Trinity of Christ, and moved out and formed their own group. And they're called a cult. They're called a false teaching. Mormons are another version of that. But also, as, as, as that started to be dealt with, there's all kinds of new kinds of beliefs started to come, like New Age. So what's New Age? New Age is, is, is Eastern religion repackaged to look like it's really science. And it started with things like transcendental meditation, but it's moved heavily into, into the medical theory today. And, 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 and we're dealing with it constantly all the time. And then on top of that, there's been a movement to what we call humanism. That, that there's no God. The atheism has, has run around saying there's no God. And, and they're saying that we are kind of like a God. Life is all about me and I and all of, about that. Now, that started to grow and appear during the time of modernism. But I want to suggest to you this morning, there's been a shift because if you're still thinking we're wrestling with cults or world religions as much, I want to suggest to you that there's a greater danger going on. I want to suggest to you that inside the church, false teachers have come and started their teaching. Now, I want to suggest to you they've come in with not religions as much as ideologies, as ideas and thoughts and, and, and what they do is, is they saturate the culture with these beliefs and these ideas and, and then are trying to bring them and, and force them into the church. Now, they're still in the process of trying to force it into culture, and, and, and a battle is starting to occur in our culture. If, you, if you're aware of the news at all, it, there, there's a battle in different kinds of ways. But they want to talk about their values are different or their ethics are different or their beliefs are different. Let me give you two events that I got, just came across my news this last week. St. Albert, uh, just not very far from us in St. Albert, um, uh, uh, one of the school districts have just voted and they are creating a junior high, junior high school for those who are LGBT and all the rest of the alphabet. Otherwise, for those kids, they get a school all by themselves. And, and, and they, the, 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 the uh, education board unanimously voted for this. This is so great because it's safe for the kids and all of that. I just, I just started to weep because these kids now don't have a chance. They, it, it, it's no different than, 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 than being pushed into a cultic kind of thing that all of the theology and all their teaching is, is going on. These kids are going to walk away with no one asking them truth and questions. It's coming here. If you go to Saskatoon, I don't know if you heard the big controversy in Saskatoon because one of the farm uh, agriculture businesses had put a, a children's festival on in Saskatoon every, every year. And, and one, of those, one of those things that they had set up was a tent for LGBT, all of that, and transgender kids and all of that. And, of course, they're having one of those guys coming dressed as a girl who's reading children's stories for ages 2 to 12. And so the Catholic school system of, of Saskatoon sent out a note to the teachers that you guys get to go to this, this, this children's fair, but we'd encourage you not as teachers to take your class into that tent. 
Because we believe, and this is what the Catholic system said, we believe that that decision is a parental decision, not a school decision. Well, the explosion that's happened against the Catholic school system. And, and, and you see, all around our society, these kind of the theories and ideas are being taught. I, I could spend weeks talking about transgenderism and where it started and how, how there's no really science to back it up. And, and what they're doing with kids is not science. In fact, it's destructive. It's destroying children. And it will destroy children. And I, I, I just go, I, you know, but then Paul will get ranting. And you know Paul when he starts ranting. So I don't want to do that. But I want to tell you it's coming to the church. Let me suggest two ways it's already entered the church. One is the whole area of what we call prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is the idea, if you give to me, then God will bless you. And it'll be, you'll be healthy and wealthy and wise and, and all of those kind of things. But it's, it's, it's not different than Jim Jones taught. It's this idea that, that, that if, if you give to this certain ministry or this certain preacher, I was reading this week and I kind of scratched my head. I was reading about this, this evangelist who was, who was asking his people to buy him a second jet. Like, really, he needed a second jet. Like, it was really important. Really? Millions of dollars. And, and these are not people that have lots of money. But, but if you give, God's going to bless you. If, 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 if you give, God's going to heal you. If, and, and it goes on and on. It's a false teaching that's entered the church. Another one is what we call progressive church. Now, this is an even more dangerous one. In fact, Amanda and Greg and I this week are going to our assembly because it has tried to be entering our denomination. And it's, it's the idea that, that, that uh, our, old, our, our view of morality and our view of our values have really changed. That, that way back in the Old Testament they believed this, but now we've discovered new things and, and truth. And for instance, one of the things that they say is it's really good to invite homosexuals to be part of your church. Now, I could take you through a whole study of going through the Old Testament, New Testament, and all of the events, and God across the board says homosexuality is sin. And yet, these churches are inviting people in and are questioning, are you really a Christian? Are you really loving if you guys are judging them? No, actually, we're not judging them. We're keeping them to God's law so they don't fall into destruction. And this is trying to enter the church constantly. And so what Peter has been, is, is talking about is starting to happen. In fact, if you go back to Scripture, you'll find event after event after event being predicted. Jesus said, when he was talking about on the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, watch out for false prophets. They will come into the, in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are furious wolves. Acts chapter 20, Paul says this, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come among you and will not spare the pack. Peter says in this passage, false prophets will come and false teachers will be among you. Jude says, for certain men whose condemnation is written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you and are godless men. The warning has always been there. But somehow, as we're doing ministry, as we're doing church, as, as, as we're walking, it's like, we haven't often paid attention to this. 
And so Peter in this passage is trying to bring us back to attention. Now, I got to tell you, when I started going through this, this is such an intense passage, I thought, I can't do it in a week. In fact, when I originally planned the Peter series, I was going to finish the Peter series and then spend about four weeks on false teaching. But Paul's run out of time, so we're going to do it in two weeks. And, and this is what I want to do. I want to talk to you today about false teachers. What do they believe? What do they teach? How do we recognize them? And then next week, I want to invite you back, and I want to go back to the same passage and say, so how do you protect yourself? Because if you notice Peter's words, these people will come into the church secretly, quietly, subtly. They're charismatic people. They're brilliant people. They're attractive people. And, 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 and they, they, they will start with subtle questions that will lead you to, and, and how do you recognize it, and how do you defend yourself? So, what do they look like, and what should we be aware of? Now, let me give you some broad things, because sometimes there's some myths that you need to be aware of. I, I love this um, <laughs> Pied Piper illustration, because so often people will naively follow without even asking a question. Isaiah, do you remember we did Isaiah about a year ago? Isaiah says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There's going to be people that are going to say to you, yeah, well, I know the Bible says, but that really doesn't mean that. One of the ones I'm hearing all the time is, well, we need to love them. No, actually, you need to love them and tell them the truth. No, 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 we just need to love them. We need to accept them for who they are. We need to, we need to just embrace them. And, 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 and No, no, we need to bring the truth of Jesus to their very soul. But here's another myth that some people hear. The myth is that these are just ordinary people. Jesus predicts that these false prophets will appear and be able to perform great signs and miracles. Now, for some Christians, that's a, th that, that, that's a tension. It's like, it's like but I, I went to that crusade, and, and this guy started doing miracles, and I saw people healed, and, 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 and all of this kind of... And, and Jesus says, yeah, that, they're going to be able to do that. And, and so one of the standards we used in Scripture that you will know it comes from God by the miraculous powers won't always appear the same in our culture and today. Now, there's fakes. There's charlatans. There's guys who can pull off all kinds of things through sleight of hand and all that kind of stuff. But Satan will empower some miraculously. And as you get into the last days, this will increase. So with that in mind, the question is, how do I recognize them? Like, what, 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 what about them are qualities that, that I need to be aware of? Now, <laughs> I don't know how desperate, you know, pastors sometimes can get. It's like, oh, what am I, how do I answer all these questions? And, 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 and so we'll go see how other pastors do it and all that. And, and I started asking this question, and one pastor had three answers, and one pastor had seven steps, and one person had ten steps. And, and, and I, I thought, okay, okay, let's just leave these aside. Let's see what Peter says. Let me put it into four things, four areas that, that, that the... <laughs> 
that Peter says, you need to be aware of these qualities in a person. The first thing he says is he says, these false teachers, or the biblical word is heresies, teaching heresies, will secretly induce things that deny the sovereignty of the Lord. Otherwise, the emphasis will be taken off God onto you. Now, it's subtle the way they do it. But, but they, will, they will take a truth in Scripture, they will take a doctrine, they'll take a teaching that you know is biblical and know is scriptural, and, and they'll add a half lie to it. So it's a half truth and a half lie. So subtle. Or, or they'll take a passage and they'll, they'll reinterpret it slightly so that it, it, it's pointing toward what they believe or what they want. They will come to you and they'll say, well, I know the Bible teaches that, but the other day... I received a vision from Jesus, or I received a dream. Jeremiah tells us about that. He says, almost laughingly, he says, oh, these guys that always walk in and say there's dreams. Jeremiah is talking at time about the people going, being taken away in captivity. And there's these prophets that will come, oh, no, peace, peace, Jesus told me, or God told me that peace, peace, peace. And so we have to be aware. Now, I'm going to get to this even more quickly next week because this is only, the only protection of this is for you to know the Scriptures well. For you not only to have scriptural devotions every day and read the Word and think about the Word and meditate on the Word, but you also need to study the Word. And some of you say, oh, study. I thought I finished that at school. No, no, I, I want you to get into the Word. And I, want you, I want you to study it. I want, I, I, I want you to know it so well that when falsehood comes up, you can recognize it. Now, I've used an illustration thousands of times, but I'll use it again. They will take people from the banks away and they'll teach them how to recognize counterfeit money. And the way they recognize counterfeit money is they'll take them to this place, and, and then they'll, they'll, they'll start handing them all kinds of money. And, and, and the various tellers and the various uh, bank employees will pick up these dollars and, and $10 and $50 and $100 bills and all of that, and they'll look at them and they'll say, they'll, they'll say um, okay, are these fake? No, 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 they're not fake at all. They're real. And then for that next week, they'll go through that, that bill, uh, detail after detail after detail, until you know what a $1 bill looks like so well you could rhyme it off in your sleep. And then they'll do that with a $5 bill and a $10 bill and a 20 and, and, and so on. And the logic is this. You need to know the real thing so well that when a false one comes, you'll flag right away. I want to encourage you as a people to be in the Word. Now, that's not a message that's new from me. I believe that we need to be a people of the book. And then we'll recognize the lies. The second thing that you'll notice about these individuals is there's an arrogance. There's a, they're bold. They have this unteachable spirit. Now, let me explain what that means. In, in, in this, Peter says, they'll, the, Peter and Jude says, they'll even slander the angelic. There's just no, no area they will not disrespect. They'll disrespect the sovereignty of God and, 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 the, and the, they'll also disrespect the angelic. 
Now, you can go over to Jude. It's really fascinating because, because Jude talks about a, a spiritual battle that goes on that Michael, the archangel, will not even uh, uh, rebuke Satan. He'll let God do that. And yet, flippantly, these Christians have these flippant little kid songs about the devil. But these people will despise any type of authority, any type of control. They will refuse to be corrected. They will refuse to have any remorse. They will refuse to ever repent. They're never wrong. You just don't understand yet. Or, or, or you don't understand it as well as I understand it. Next, next week, I'm going to be talking about two kinds of theologies that are, are permanent in our society. One is a thing called dualism, and another is a thing called Gnosticism. And, and those were old cults, but they're back. And we need to understand them if we're to be prepared to fight. But they have these empty, boasting words. You will hear them make statements, or it, it's like... And there's no follow-through. But there's an attitude. And so they're, they're, you, you listen to their words. You listen to their attitude. You also watch their lifestyle. Because in that lifestyle will be what Peter calls greed and lust. It will entangle into corruption, a corrupted words. Otherwise, as Peter says it, you will see, you will see below the surface when, when you see what they're lusting after, when you see what they're wanting after, you will see the world in them rather than Christ. They will lust for, for money, for sexual pleasure, or for control. Peter uses these words. He says, they'll be carousing in the broad daylight. Have you noticed in our culture that what people were too embarrassed to do years ago in the dark, they're now doing in the light on camera, on the internet? Their eyes will be full of adultery, lust. They will see everything as sexualized. It's interesting, one of the second things that happened when I was in college is suddenly all of these evangelists got, got found out for their adultery. I've been amazed over the years as a pastor that there's these certain individuals you kind of hold up as significant men and women of God and, and they just, the numbers that are falling for immorality and sexuality is amazing. They will change grace into a license for immorality. I, I know you have homosexual tendencies but that's all right. If God gave that to you, you can do it. You'll hear bizarre comments like that. God has called it sin. He's named it. He's described it. <laughs> he's even condemned it repeatedly. And so these people will have a lust and a greed in their life. They will want. They will take. And they will encourage their people to do the same. Because you can't criticize me if you're doing what I'm doing. Thirdly, or fourthly, they will use people. This is kind of the most disturbing of them all. 
I know you're watching TV right now and, and you, you, you don't have a lot of money, but, but if, if you give me this money, I will send you this cloth and you put this cloth on your arthritic knees and they'll be healed, but you have to send me money. What? When did Jesus do that? And, and, and you'll hear all of these, these, these things and it's a, it's a con, it's a, it's a lie to raise money. There's words in the, in the passage that Peter uses. He, he talks about exploiting, enticing, appealing to the lustful desires. If you do this, you will get. That's an invitation of the world, not of God. And Peter makes this sad, sad comment. He says they will think they're getting freedom and they just get more bondage, more slavery. And so, and so when you start to see these qualities, a flag should go up. A warning signal should go up. Awareness should go up. And you need to say, is this truly a servant of Jesus Christ? Or is this one who's entered dressed as a sheep, but it's really a wolf? Now, Peter's not finished. He... <laughs> I think he's really wound up at this point. I think he's really ready to, to, to go after them. And he gives three illustrations. The interesting thing is these three illustrations are in, in a couple of verses, verses two to six. And they're literally one sentence. They're three events, but he, tie, he puts them, it's, it's like he's wound right up. And he says, he says, I want you to know this. He says, he says God did not spare the angels when they sinned. What's, what's he talking about there? If, if some of your Bibles will talk about God reserving a place in hell for them, that's a really poor translation. The original Greek word is a Greek word called Tataris. Tataris is, is a place where angelic who rebelled against God in heaven, but are so vile, so powerful, God has thrown them down into a place of confinement, of imprisonment, and they will stay there until the lake of fire, and then they'll be thrown in the lake of fire for the rest of eternity. Otherwise, otherwise God has, has, has recognized their sin and, and judged them and put them. Now, the interesting thing is this, Tataris is a weird word. It's, this is the only place in Scripture that it's found. It's a Greek word. And, and to the Greek, I don't know if you remember any of the Greek legends or whatever, the Greeks had these, the, this hell and it had different levels. Well, the lowest of all levels, the worst of all levels, the darkest of all levels, the, the painful of all levels is Tartarus. And he said, if these, demon, these angels, demons, evil spirits, sin so violently that they were thrown into a prison until the judgment. Now, this is a whole different story because I believe this goes back to Genesis chapter 6. And we, we've talked about that several weeks ago and, and we may talk about it again next week. But it, 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 it's, it's the vileness. And here's the point. If these super spiritual beings that sin come under judgment of God... Who else is he going to judge? Then he goes to a second story. And the second story is the flood, Genesis chapter 6. And, and he says he did not spare the ancient world. 
And the world became so sinful, so vile. And Moses, we talked about this several weeks ago, Moses preached against them for 120 years and, 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 and invited them to repent. And they would not repent. And so the flood came as God's judgment. Second story, if God will judge the spirit world, if God will now judge the physical world, people, humanity, who will only judge? Then he gives a third story. Third story is Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you know that story of Lot and, and, and it living in that and it being a sinful city and, and God taking Lot and his family out and then, and then fire coming out and burning it all up, again the phrase. He made them an example of what will happen to the ungodly. Now here's Peter's point. If God would judge the spirit world, if God will judge humanity who has blatantly, aggressively sinned, if God will judge a city or individuals who defiantly spit in God's face, what's he going to do with, the judge, with these false prophets? Here's the phrase that Peter uses. They will bring swift destruction on themselves. Their condemnation has long been kept ha hanging over them. God will hold them till the day of judgment. You see, God won't be mocked. He will not be mocked. These men may act spiritual. They may talk spiritual. They, they may use language that you and I understand, although they often mean different things. But God isn't mocked and God isn't deceived. And God knows who they are. And they will come under his judgment. So what have I told you this morning? The Christian church has to be on guard because there will be false teachers coming into this church and other churches. There's churches already that are totally defeated. They will come in and they will try to bring wrong teaching, wrong doctrine, heresy into the church and you need to be prepared and you need to recognize them. You need to be on guard for that. And you need to know that God is aware of them and finally will judge them. But the question is, so what about me? That's why I want you to come back next week. Here's an interesting verse in the middle of Second Peter 2. The Lord knows how to rescue godly men and women from trials and to hold unrighteous, the unrighteous for the day of judgment. So we've already looked at the second part. God knows how to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment. But he also knows how to rescue you. Next week I want you to come back as we want to talk about some of the ways this world is trying to deceive us. We want to talk about how do we, how do we stay discerning because I believe you need to be aware of that in your life. This is not something to be afraid of. This is something to be wise and discerning about. God has prepared you ahead of time to stand your guard. I, I, I was reading, after I was reading about J Jones, I, I, I read about another one in 1997. You probably heard about this one. There's a, there was a, a group in, in California called, um, or Santa Fe, California, called Heaven's Gate Cult. 
It was the weirdest cult. It was a cult that believed that, 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 that there was a spaceship coming. And that spaceship was going to come and take anyone who was a believer into them and take them to a greater, more majestic place. And, and, and there, it was coming behind a comet, <laughs> interestingly, and so you couldn't see it, so it was coming, and as it got closer, you had to be prepared. 1997, police moved into this house that they had heard a rumor about and found 39 people each on their bed, each dressed completely in black, and then a purple robe wrapped around them. Each had committed suicide according, given by their leader, believing that their soul would leave and get into the spaceship, and then off they go, Star Trekking. The reason I want to tell you about that is there was a young man named Donald. Donald was going to university with one of the members the member had been his roommate, and he had left university to join this group. And then he had talked to Donald again and again and again to say, you need to come. This is so cool. This is so great. You can't imagine what's going to happen. And, and, and trying to win him over, trying to evangelize him. The group got his address and started texting him articles. And then they sent him a video uh, describing it all. And You need to come and you need to join us. And, and Donald got convinced. And he was ready to pack up and go and join them. He would have been number 40. His girlfriend stopped him and says, what, what are you doing? Do you believe this craziness? And, and she held him back. And she persuaded him this is crazy and this isn't true. And, 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 and so Donald's Contact them and say, I'm not coming, I'm sorry. Several days after the discovery was made, Donald realized he could have been one of those guys if he hadn't listened. We need to listen to God's word and God's spirit as we walk in these last days. And I want to invite you to continue with me as we look at Scripture and find out what God says to us today and these next weeks. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that you prepare us. That, that we're not walking into the days ahead blind, but we're walking in prepared. And that, that we have you in our, in our life in such a deep and a rich way. That, that we learn to listen to you. We learn to listen to your word. We learn to be obedient, and you protect us. I thank you for the, those listening, and I pray that this made sense, and they understood it, and, and they heard your word today. May we continue to walk in freedom in Christ rather than, than bondage to the things of this world. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.